Good evening. Thanks for joining us. Sophie and Chris are off tonight. A fatal daylight shooting in the parking lot of a Cal Tire store in Chilliwack. And it all happened in front of stunned employees and their customers. Our Catherine Urquhart is there live for us tonight. Catherine, we're hearing a car was also found nearby on fire. So what details are you getting? Mm-hmm. Sonia, people in this area are very troubled by the brazenness of this crime that happened here outside the Cal Tire in Chilliwack, as they should be. One person is dead and no one has been arrested. At least three bullet holes penetrated this gray Audi A4 when someone opened fire on the person getting inside. It was just before 9 a.m. in the Cal Tire parking lot, meters from employees and customers. So scary. Minutes later, and just eight kilometers away, a vehicle fire. Then, armed officers. There were cars trying to seemingly bump their way out so that they could uh, get away, obviously. And then they head towards the Vetter Canal, it seemed like. Several police cars came from both directions. Out of one of the police cars, or two, I think, they got out with rifles drawn and, and, and dogs. Police won't confirm the shooting and vehicle fire are linked, but recently there have been several shootings followed by vehicle fires, often an effort to hide evidence. Of course, when an incident like this happens during the day in a public place, it's very, very concerning, and we have uh, great concern over uh, an event like this. At nearby Chilliwack General Hospital, a heavy police presence. Soon after, the male victim dies. Investigators won't reveal his identity or whether he's known to them, but they do believe this was a targeted attack. IHIT has now taken over this investigation and is expected to release more information sometime this weekend. If you know anything about this crime, you're asked to call IHIT or Crime Stoppers. Sonia? Catherine, thanks very much for that tonight. Catherine Urquhart, live from Chilliwack. Surrey RCMP investigating a violent night in that city. Police say the driver of a Honda Civic fired at a black Cadillac Escalade. Now, this happened at about 8.30 last night in the 9400 block of 131A Street. By the time officers got to the scene, the drivers of both vehicles had taken off. Police saying that they do believe this was a targeted attack. A growing memorial tonight for a 13-year-old murder victim. The body of Marissa Shen was found in Burnaby's Central Park. That was early on Wednesday morning. That is where we find our Ramina Day alive for us tonight. Ramina, with this case, still lots of questions, but very few answers. Yeah, not a lot of new information, Sonia, but here's what we know. The police tape is down. The public's been allowed back into the park. And just to give you a sense of the scene, this is how dense it is out here. This is how secluded it is. Shan's body, as you mentioned, was found Wednesday. It was found in the bushes early Wednesday morning, 1.10 a.m. The killer still out there. We have no information on a motive. We have no information on a suspect. We still don't know if this person knew Shan, if it was a stranger, which is exactly why homicide investigators are asking people to still be careful. Don't take your safety for granted. Now, many people dropping by today with flowers and teddy bears. They just want the Shen family to know that they care and that they're thinking about them. The community, though, still nervous, wondering how safe it really is out here. It's difficult now to go, okay, you know, when do we re-enter the park? Um, is it safe? So, uh, yeah, my thoughts right now are just to make sure that we're safe and we're in a group. 
um, but it'd be great to get more information and if we can get back in there and feel comfortable again. The public obviously very hungry for new information. Sonia, no new details, though, from IHIT today. Key piece of evidence was released yesterday, that surveillance footage of Shen at an apartment building on Tuesday afternoon. Investigators are asking everyone to please, again, take a look at this tape. If you recognize her, they want to hear from you. If you saw her after 6 p.m. on Tuesday, detectives are asking that you give them a call. Back to you. Romina, thank you very much for the updates there. Now, it sounds like pure science fiction, but Vancouver police say that they are the first force in the country to use new technology they say can take a major bite out of crime. As Jill Bennett reports, the VBT VPD says it can now forecast the location of property crime and then take measures to stop it. So what we're looking at right now is exactly what every patrol officer has in their uh, cruiser. Every VPD car now has access to Geodash, a new crime prediction tool that during a pilot study led to decreases in residential and commercial break and enters. Instead of just informing officers where crime happened two hours ago, we'll now be able to let them know where crime is predicted to happen two hours from now. If we flag the top 10% of the predictions, we can interdict 74% of the crimes that may occur. If the idea of predicting crime before it happens sounds like it's right out of a Hollywood movie, that's because it is. What he's doing now we call scrubbing the image, looking for clues as to where the murder is going to happen. Although in the movie, murderers were stopped rather than thieves, the technology has some similarities. It is machine learning or artificial intelligence, so it learns over time from itself. The crime patterns that are happening in the neighbourhoods, the system actually can learn from itself. We haven't seen the same sort of successes when we tried to look at it for violent crime. Uh, crimes against persons are not quite as predictable. The system isolates 100 and 500 meter zones in the city where crime is anticipated in two hour intervals. But I'm not sure if, how you can stop somebody before doing a crime because it's not technically a crime. They're going to use technology to reduce crime? Go for it. Dong as privacy is maintained. This is not 100%. It's not, you know, 100% science, but it's very high probability. Jill Bennett, Global News. A BC man getting more than he bargained for while out on a beachcombing trip on the central coast. Now, he was out for a walk when all of a sudden a grizzly bear came out of nowhere and attacked. Nadia Stewart is in our newsroom with the details on this story. And Nadia, it is amazing that this guy actually survived. Yeah, no kidding, Sonia. 30 stitches later and Randall Warnock has quite the story to tell. It all happened on Monday evening as he was walking along the beach on Brown Island. That's a small island along BC's central coast. Now, Warnock says he'd only been walking for about 15 minutes when he saw that a buoy had washed up on shore. He went to pick it up and heard a crack behind him. That's when he saw the grizzly bear charging at him. Now, the bear was attacking him within seconds. He did have a pocket knife but dropped it in the struggle. The bear, though, went straight for Warnock's knees, and he knew that he had to fight back. I thought, okay, well, I'll try punching him. So I just hauled off and punched him as hard as I could, right in the nose, and then he just stood back about two feet and just looked at me. And he's sort of moving his head all over the place, really fidgety, and he sort of lunged ahead about six inches trying to decide what to do. And so I sort of fell back on my bum, grabbed a log beside me, and I was going to throw it at his face to try to get him to go away. And then he took off. He ran off in the bush. 
Now, the whole ordeal only lasted about a minute or so, and then the Coast Guard came along. Warnock was able to get in touch with him. They met him, took him to Port Hardy Hospital, and that is where he is. He had surgery and is now recovering at home. Now, he told us a lot more about this story. We will have more about it, Sonia, coming up at 11. All right, looking forward to hear that. It is an incredible story. Nadia, thanks very much for that. An update on the wildfire situation in our province now. There are 167 wildfires burning right now. 32 of those are new, most of them caused by lightning. And the cost of fighting these fires so far, nearly $118 million. Of course, summer is not over yet. The fires causing the most concern right now, the Gustafson fire, that is burning near a 100-mile house. It's now 65% contained. Near Williams Lake, they're watching three fires there. The Hansville fire, 0% contained. The White Lake fire, 10% contained. And the Wildwood Complex fire also being monitored. And finally, near Ashcroft, Cash Creek and Loon Lake, that is the Elephant Hill fire. That is now 30% contained. Well, one community hit hard by wildfires is Loon Lake. And Anitu Gacha got a closer look at the current situation there and what we're learning about the extent of the damage. It's a lot easier with two people doing it. Mike Nelson and his wife Chelsea work in Loon Lake. Even after a wildfire tore through this area, taking in its path the ranch they're employed at. Well, it burned right along the north side of the lake. Like it come right along the east side and then went uh, headed north. I think everything's lost there except for the house. The house was perched on a little hill, and for some reason the fire went all the way around it, so all the buildings, uh, the shop and the hay sheds and the cattle facilities and stuff, uh, pretty much everything's lost there. Now they're back here taking care of these animals. The fire may not be an immediate threat to them anymore, but they say the smoke left in its aftermath is. We've noticed a lot of runny eyes and, and health issues with the cattle, you know. The Elephant Hill wildfire, previously known as the Ashcroft Reserve wildfire, quickly spread, coming dangerously close to this small, tight-knit community. In these hills near Loon Lake, we're seeing sections of scorched trees and hot spots smoking and flaring up, as you can see over my shoulder, evidence of that wildfire that officials describe as aggressive and threatening. A rapid damage assessment team has been sent in by the Thompson-Nicola Regional District. There's reportedly significant damage to several properties. Evacuees were left waiting days before finally hearing from officials about the damage to their homes. Before that, they were left guessing and going off photos being posted on social media. Now we need to get in touch with the property owners and arrange a couple of buses to get them into Loon Lake so they can see for themselves what the damage is, if any, to their property. What's the time? for that happening well in the very near future today tomorrow hopefully many of the property owners here live elsewhere like the lower mainland the rest are permanent residents of this once resort community they still have no idea when they'll be back home but what they do know is they're determined to recover from this blow already setting up an online fundraising page to help the community rebuild and recover from a nightmare that could have been even worse it's been a week since residents were ordered out of their Loon Lake homes as this aggressive wildfire raged across the lake. Nearly 400 properties were evacuated last Friday. Back to you. Nitu Gacha, thank you very much for that from Loon Lake. Well, let's go to Kamloops now, where our John Watt is waiting to talk to us. John, you've got some new information. 
Yeah, that's right, Sonia. We spoke to the Canada Interagency Forest Fire Centre in Winnipeg today. It's their job to determine the resources for fighting wildfires across the entire country, and they just upgraded to a level five. That's their highest fire rating. Now, that's in large part to the BC wildfire situation. The demand for resources is pretty much stripping supply across the entire country. Now, level five lets us look outside our borders and ask for help. Now, to be clear, that call has not yet been made, but we're being told that the very top of that list are two countries, Mexico and New Zealand, and they have been put on alert to be ready. Now, in terms of the latest numbers that you mentioned, there's 32 new wildfires that happened overnight. 43,000 people remain on evacuation alert. 40,000 of those have registered with the Red Cross. In this area, about an hour away, people around Cash Creek, North of that, along Highway 97, have been allowed back into their homes. We spoke to one woman who had been out of her home for two weeks at Bonaparte Reserve. She said she came home. The entire hillside across the street was completely blackened by fire. Now, during that entire two-week period, she did not register for assistance. She actually walked into the centre to do so, but had to turn around and leave. Here's why. I knew that my home was still here. I knew that everything that I owned was still here. They had no idea. And I was feeling for them. And I couldn't do it. I couldn't take. Somebody else might have needed it more than me. Now, just to give you an example of the intensity of the heat of these fires, this was picked up by our cameraman Patrick Bell in Cash Creek. This used to be a boat propeller. So combining the intensity of this heat with the winds we're starting to experience this evening, people here know it's no time to get comfortable. Sonia? Absolutely not. John, thanks very much for that. John Wah in Kamloops for us tonight. And a dedicated tip line has been set up by the RCMP. This is for information about that interface fire that happened in Lake Country last weekend. This is the fire that broke out late Saturday afternoon with very little warning. Thankfully, no one was injured, but there were a number of homes and structures that were destroyed. The RCMP calling this fire suspicious. They think it was human-caused. Anyone with information is being asked to call that number that is on your screen right now. And Vancouver firefighters are helping to raise funds for those impacted by these wildfires in B.C. They were out and about in downtown Vancouver today, shaking their boots for donations. All the money raised will go to the Canadian Red Cross B.C. Fires Appeal Fund and will be put towards immediate relief for evacuees. And if you didn't get a chance to donate, there are still ways that you can help. Vancouver Fire actually has operational crews and uh, incident management teams that have been deployed to help uh, directly with the fires. But uh, today is about something different. It's about our firefighters volunteering their time. We have about uh, 30 to 40 of them out in the community today in a few locations. And uh, they're, they're raising funds in order to uh, donate those funds through Red Cross towards the relief efforts. They can also donate afterwards by going to vancouverfirefighters.ca. And uh, any monies raised uh, through the weekend will go towards this cause. Please do donate if you can. Well, students at Vancouver's Langara College back in class today after a terrifying experience last night. Ted Chenecki has a follow-up now on a lockdown sparked by an armed intruder. Those aren't the words anyone wants to hear anytime, but just before 9 Thursday night, an alleged armed robbery of two students led to a call to Vancouver police as Langara campus security went into an automatic lockdown. So our professor actually like run to the door and then lock it 
then we realize it might be a bit uh, like real. Stay in your classroom, lock the door, turn out the lights. Um, so it was pretty scary. Never experienced anything like that before. I was worried about how real this could be and like would we get shot or anything like that but I, I feel like Canada is a pretty safe place. Even by the expressions on some of the students faces after the incident you could see how authorities had a hard time convincing everyone that this was the real deal. I was walking with my friend and once we saw the police we were, that's when we started being like oh my god something's actually happening. Yeah. Although active threat events are extremely rare they have taken place in Canada. The RCMP, in cooperation with Simon Fraser University, recently produced this video outlining the various stages of a lockdown, what to do, where to go. My instructor wasn't 100% sure like what to do, and the, on the PA it said, if you're very close to an exit, you should just leave. Within an hour, Vancouver police did arrest a 29-year-old male who they said had a lengthy criminal record. Uh, police did locate a suspect who they believed was responsible for the robbery in the area of uh, uh, East 17th Avenue and Main Street. Police say he was armed, but with what they're not saying. Some students had heard there was a BB gun involved, but a gun's a gun, and until the threat is known, no one was taking any chances. There is a real Ted Chernacki, Global News. Well, it's a shocking sight in downtown Paris today. A dead whale lying on the promenade by the River Seine, tourists were wondering what was going on. It turned out that this was actually a fake whale, a stunt designed by Belgian artists to get people thinking about our impacts on the environment. The effect of ocean noise on BC's southern resident killer whales, that is the focus of some unprecedented research that is going on right now. Linda Ellsworth picks up and tells us why dozens of marine companies and corporations are now choosing to slow down. There are several reasons why our southern resident killer whales, of which only 78 remain, are an endangered species. One of them, marine vessels. The concern is that the underwater noise from all, all vessel types may have an impact on southern resident killer whales. Underwater noise interferes with the whale's ability to communicate with one another, to rest, to navigate and to find food. Now the Port of Vancouver is launching a one-of-a-kind study to better understand the problem and find solutions. And what we found is that there is a relationship between vessel speed and underwater noise. And so we're trying to measure what is that change and what is the effect on underwater noise when vessels do slow down. It's estimated that for every one knot reduction in speed, there is a one decibel reduction in noise. And so between August and October, the port is asking commercial vessels traveling through Harrow Strait, the body of water between southern Vancouver Island and San Juan Island, to slow down to 11 knots from as much as 18 knots. We've installed two hydrophones in the Harrow Strait, one on the inbound shipping lane and one on the outbound shipping lane. Those two hydrophones will gather data. They'll be able to detect the underwater noise coming from the vessels. Harrow Strait was chosen because it's both a popular feeding area for southern residents and a busy shipping route. 54 marine shipping organizations have volunteered to comply. Their incentive, aside from doing the right thing, offer vessels a um, reduction in their harbour dues if they are able to meet the, uh, the criteria. The results of the study will be released next year. Linda Aylesworth, Global News. Ah! 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 
and 55 others injured. A gas explosion ripping through a store popular with tourists in eastern China's Hangzhou city. At least two people are dead. 55 others have been injured, many of the injuries caused by shattering glass from buses and cars passing by. Explosions are not uncommon in China, but with safety regulations there, they are often ignored. And at least two tourists have been killed and more than 500 injured after a powerful earthquake shook a popular tourist areas in Turkey and Greece. The quake measuring 6.7. It caused a tsunami and widespread damage. The Donald Trump White House once again insisting tonight that everything is just fine. That is despite yet another major staff shakeup. This was the largest audience to ever witness an inauguration, period. Press Secretary Sean Spicer, who got off to a rocky start by angrily insisting that there were record crowds at Trump's inauguration, has now resigned. Spicer apparently unhappy with Trump appointing wealthy fundraiser Anthony Scaramucci as communications director. Sarah Huckabee Sanders now takes over as press secretary. In the meantime, no word yet on who Melissa McCarthy is going to play on Saturday Night Live now. Spicy finally. Rarely has a humble set of stairs caused so much controversy. The city of Toronto has torn down a small staircase. It was built by a local man to help people get safely down a slope. He thought he was doing the city a favour when they told him the stairs would cost tens of thousands of dollars. They didn't see it that way. Our report is from Global Toronto. They're gone, but far from forgotten. Addie Astle's wooden stairs have become a symbol of community activism, built to give the public a safe pathway to the community garden, taken down by the city early Friday morning with the promise of new stairs. A little guy can maybe change it, and I hope I change the park and recreation procurement way how to do business. When Addie initially contacted the city, he was told building the stairs would cost anywhere from sixty-five to one hundred and fifty thousand dollars. So he built his own for five hundred and fifty bucks. Addie says he received a call from the mayor on Thursday night, and he thanked him for taking a stand on this issue. He's also been told that construction will start immediately, with the price tag for this project being pegged at around ten thousand dollars. The stairs that Addie also built were uh, were well intentioned. They worked well. They would have worked well for uh, the short term, but they wouldn't have worked well for the long term. You know, we can't have people building their own stairs in every park or every uh, on every street corner, but he took leadership. I thanked him for that. The steps have been getting lots of attention. I can appreciate that the city has to make sure that uh, the stairs are to code. I get that. But the cost that they're being quoted or that's, that they're giving to the public is unbelievably high. Everything is a negotiation in life. So long you reach the meaning and the end. The meaning and the end was to have steps for people to go down safely. Who installs it doesn't matter in this time anymore. Shalima Maharaj, Global News. The Canadian music industry mourning the loss of one of its iconic rock stars. Streetheart lead singer Kenny Shields died of heart failure today at the age of 69. The band had a number of hits in the 70s and 80s, including What Kind of Love Is This? and a cover of Under My Thumb. Shields is being remembered as a brash rock star who swaggered across the stage during the band's heyday. 
And Justin Bieber will not be performing in China again, well, anytime soon. Beijing's Municipal Bureau of Culture has banned the singer, saying that his bad behavior when he last performed there caused public dissatisfaction. You might remember back in 2013, Bieber took off his shirt on stage and was seen clowning around on the Great Wall of China, his bodyguards even carrying him at one point. In health news today, a new study says that you can be under the legal limit for alcohol and still be impaired if you haven't had enough sleep. Australian researchers found alcohol levels within the legal limit combined with sleep deprivation leads to lapses in attention. Their study showed drivers were most impaired 30 to 60 minutes after their alcohol levels peaked, even at less than 0.08, and the effects of that lasting between two and three hours. It is. There's music going on behind me and lots of people. The place is packed down here right now, which is great. Um, you know, it's Friday night. A lot of people getting out, but mostly people are stoked to have the BC Lions finally back in town after being on the road for a month and they've won the last three games. So, yes, the families are coming out. Everyone's coming out to enjoy the game. Uh, we are still talking about the fires in the interior, though. Before I get into that uh, and the weather that's going to happen in the next little while, I want to tell you participation is helping Canada celebrate 150 years. And this year, uh, today's stay fit suggestion for you is ultimate frisbee, one of my favorite sports. So yeah, get out there and try that. Um, Let's have a look at the Remax satellite. What we have is something different. We've had hot, dry weather for many, many days now, but now we've had a frontal system, a real frontal system push on shore, and we are seeing light rain on and off all across the south coast. Let's move it forward to the model data to show you how things will progress. We are going to see significant moisture all along the coast, north coast, central coast, and south coast. But what happens is if we push it forward one more time, it really dries out for the interior, and that's one of the reasons why we have so many different types of climates across BC is the interior as the moisture moves over the coast mountain it actually dries out and we get far less precipitation so although it looks good on that satellite image we're not going to get much moisture for the areas that we need it we still have 22 fires of note across the region there's a north coast for tomorrow so periods of rain all along the coast down to the central coast as well Prince George will see showers but south of Prince George it's only a chance of showers with a risk of thunderstorms and it's a very slight chance And you can see here all across the south, it is going to be hot and dry once again. Now, for the south coast regions, we will see light rain on and off. Although right now, I mean, we're not seeing much rain down here. It's a perfect evening, even though we are seeing a light sprinkle here and there. Tomorrow morning, a light sprinkle still expected. Later on in the day, drier. We'll be hard-pressed to get some sunshine just yet. But don't worry, Sunday, Monday, we're back to sunshine. And for the interior regions, that chance of showers that you'll see tomorrow, you're back to sunshine after that. Happy birthday to Violet Smythe. She turned 102. Mary Dowler, 102 yesterday. And moving on, uh, Eileen Elford in Chilliwack celebrating 101 years and Annie James as well. And one anniversary for you tonight, Velma and Ed West celebrating 71 years together in Sydney. Congratulations. Tonight's weather window is from James Rogers. It's a view uh, from the ferry 
sailing from Nanaimo to Gabriola, and it's amazing these sunsets lately. With so much smoke in the upper atmosphere, it really refracts that light and gives us these beautiful sunsets. And it is Friday, so time to pick a winner. Looking back at this week's photo, you can see another red sunset there, and our weather, our uh, We Love Water Wednesday shot. And I picked actually the other uh, beautiful sunset from Brittany Brunskill because uh, the sunsets have been so spectacular, and it's an unfortunate situation with uh, so much smoke in the air, but it is creating these amazing sunsets. Hey, I just want to mention one thing, Sonia. Uh, tonight, who will be singing the anthem will be Gregory Old. He's the uh, executive director of Blanket BC. Blanket BC has actually donated a lot of blankets to the interior, and every time Gregory sings, he gets a donation. So tonight, he'll be getting a donation, which will help, hopefully, uh, the people that are displaced in the interior. Money that's much needed. Christy, thanks very much for that. Uh, Christy Gordon live at BC Place uh, tonight uh, ahead of the BC Lions game, which Squire will talk about in a few moments. Now, it is almost impossible to overstate his legacy and his contribution to popular culture. But now a New York museum has at least gathered all of it in one place. NBC's Rahima Ellis has a preview of a new exhibit opening tomorrow dedicated to the genius that brought us the Muppets. Generations have grown up watching them. It's time to get things started. The zany cast of characters inspired by the creative genius of Jim Henson. His life cut short at 53, but his work lives on. Some of it here at the new permanent exhibition at the Museum of the Moving Image in New York. My father's creative spirit is alive, and it's alive right here in this exhibit. The Henson family donated many of the 300 objects on display. Everything from sketches, props, and dozens of puppets like Fraggles, a Swedish chef, an eight-foot-tall yellow bird, and of course, the little green frog. The rainbow connection. This is my father's Kermit. In many ways, my father's alter ego. My father built the original Kermit out of my grandmother's uh, spring coat. Also here, a behind-the-scenes look at Henson's extensive film career including the costume David Bowie wore in the labyrinth. I think my dad sort of gave himself permission to play, and he gave his collaborators permission to play. Collaborators like Bonnie Erickson, who helped design some of Henson's biggest stars. Here we are standing in front of the famous Miss Piggy. I did three pigs. One of them became Miss Piggy. <laughs> that karate chop just created the Miss Piggy everybody knows and loves. People love to laugh. My dad loved to laugh. He loved to sing. He loved to play. And the man she called dad played a big part in raising all of us. Rahima Ellis, NBC News, New York. All right, even the royals not immune to the terrible twos. If you look at this, Princess Charlotte throwing a mini tantrum today. This was at the end of the royal tour of Poland and Germany. It looks like she was trying to grab a bunch of papers from her mum's hand. And when mum pulled them back, Charlotte obviously wasn't too happy. But after a few seconds, everything was calm, cool and royally collected. Ah, see? Picture see? of perfection there. Everyone was no longer a royal pain, as they say. No, everything was fine. When's the last time you had a tantrum? A uh, couple of weeks ago. <laughs> <laughs> oh, bless. Yeah, the terrible uh, twos just uh, last forever. Exactly. They do. Like. For some people, they just never get out. <laughs> Want to do your Miss Piggy impression? No? That's, that's it. Okay, I'm not going to do any more. Okay. Isn't that embarrassing enough? Thanks. No, right? no, no. I, you didn't have to do it. You could have said no, but you, you, you know, you're a trooper, and we appreciate that. Thank you. All right, welcome back. Thank We're you. We're talking... Oh. <laughs> 
He actually didn't go anywhere. Oh, okay. Um, BC Lions, big game. A lot of buzz downtown right now. Yeah, because uh, we haven't seen him in a month. Yeah. They haven't been home in a month. They had a weird start to the season. Started at home against Edmonton, barely lost that game. Then they went three straight on the road in the east. So they'll not only be playing a home game for the first time in a the month, they'll be seeing a Western team for the first time in a month as well. Winnipeg in town. Lions will be kicking it old school with Travis Lule starting at quarterback. He was the man who beat the Bombers way back in the 2011 Grey Cup, which was also played at BC Place. That was Marco Iannucci's rookie season with the Lions, and he's a veteran now, and he's with another veteran, Barry, at BC Place. All right, here with Lions receiver Marco Iannucci, uh, three in a row on the road. You guys are on a big roll. Now you're back home. How do you keep that momentum going? You know, it was a tough uh, Eastern trip. We had to stay out there, lots of travel time. Um, but we saw lots of support from our home fans on social media. So tonight is about uh, coming back to, to our home den uh, and put on a good show for our fans. Do you want to play the exact same way as you did on the road at home? Does it change at all? You know, on the road, you want to come out fast uh, because you want to quiet the crowds. You know, they're a real hostile environment, especially, uh, you know, Hamilton can get really loud. So when you come out fast, you silence them. Here tonight, we want to come out fast because we want to get our fans roaring, uh, and it'll hurt the opposition a little more. So just, I think, speed up the gate is, is the key. You had a good week last week. Not Nick Moore, 220-yard numbers, but four for 88. With all those weapons, do you find you are a little more open these days? Uh, you know, Travis Lule, you got to hand it to him. Uh, he's a pro. I mean, even Jennings, you know, they're the top two quarterbacks in this league. Um, when you got guys around you like Moore and, and Arsenal, uh, you know, it makes it opens up things. And then you got Burnham too. I mean, you have all star lineup all around us. So yeah, I can sneak open a little time to time. But uh, as long as we get a win, I don't care how many catches I have. All right, Marco Ainuzzi in the Lions back home finally after a month off against the Blue Bombers tonight at seven. After dropping Paolo Tornaghi this week, the Whitecaps wanted a veteran to back up David Osted, and because of it, they signed New Zealand's international keeper, Stefan Marinovic, today. His signing means that Spencer Ritchie will go back to playing for WFC2. The Caps will host Portland at home on Sunday. Soldier Garcia upset with the bush, and then he hurts his shoulder. Apparently those bushes at Royal Burkdale hit back. Was that a... Was that napweed or was, was that, that a yellow rattle? They what? say that's what's around Royal Burkdale. Oh. You're watching, now. you're watching Jordan Spieth. He's now six under, 30 after 36 holes. Has the lead by two shots. Austin Conley, born in Texas, learned to play golf at his grandparents' place in Nova Scotia. His dad's Canadian. He is very close to the top of the leaderboard. Unfortunately, Abbotsford's Adam Hadwin. Not a bad start to round two. And with the rain, we're actually but he went 11 over on the back nine, 13 over par, missed the cut. The cut was five over, five over or better, and you get to play in the weekend. Phil Mickelson missed the cut. Uh, there you see the leaderboard. Jordan Spieth, Matt Kuchar, Brooks Kepka, Americans up there along with Ian Poulter. Conley not far back, but Hadwin is coming home and getting ready for the Canadian Open next weekend. Uh, Canada's national women's volleyball team will host the uh, World Grand Prix tournament this weekend at the Richmond Oval. Canada is actually on the court right now against Germany. Tomorrow it's Peru. Sunday it's the Czech Republic in Canada. And one of the Canadians' leaders is Sunshine Coast native Kyla Ritchie. But she had to lean heavily on teammates after a tragic family accident a few years ago. Kyla Ritchie's been the backbone of Canada's national women's team for nearly a decade. She's parlayed that success into a pro career in Europe and has proven to be one of our country's best volleyball players. But then personal tragedy struck in August of 2013 when her younger brother Connor, then 20, 
died after falling from a SkyTrain railing in Vancouver. It was devastating to Kyla and her tight-knit family. Sometimes you just feel like you need to get through a practice because it's all you're thinking about, or if you're driving home, or there's just so many things that kind of come up that you can't prepare for. And of course, as athletes, you like to be prepared for everything. Her closest friends kind of know on a day-to-day that it's it's always a struggle, and uh, she doesn't go a day without thinking about her brother. Kyla had her family and teammates for support, but still the sadness was overwhelming. She decided to start writing a blog about her feelings on her own website and discovered it was not only therapeutic for her to go public, but for others as well. I just decided one day that um, at least through this tragedy, you can help other athletes know that it's okay to not be so strong all the time. Or if you are trying to be strong, that on moments or days that you break down, that's okay too. It was really interesting to see, I guess, how much everybody does need each other and does need that like support and connection just through these times and trials. Maybe the best news for Richie was earlier this year when the national team relocated its home training base from Winnipeg to the Richmond Oval. To be actually back here with my best friends again playing and just having such a strong like team of confident women that would rally behind me whenever I need it is also provides a lot of comfort and provides me I guess the space to be vulnerable when I need to. It's a pain that will never really subside but with support she'll never have to deal with it alone. Barry DeLay, Global Sports. Nice story, sad story. story. Yeah. Um, Very quickly, Kyrie Irving of the Cleveland Cavaliers, all-star guard, apparently has asked for a trade. He wants to be away from LeBron James for some reason. I don't know why, but that's the word. Okay, there you go. All right, Squire, thanks very much. We'll see you in Satellite Debris in a few minutes. But Jay Durant first with a look at what's happening on Global News at 11. Jay? Thank you, Sonia. We're tracking a couple of developing stories tonight. Conservation officers near Squamish are warning pet owners after a group of coyotes killed a dog this afternoon in Brackendale. And we're hearing about a water rescue in Lynn Canyon. North Vancouver firefighters tweeted out this picture saying they were conducting a high-angle rope rescue to pull three swimmers from a 90-foot pool. We'll have those stories and the rest of the day's news tonight at 11, Sonia. Fantastic. Get your phone. I think it's pinging in your back pocket. I heard. Yes, sorry about that. (laughs) That's all right. All right. Thanks very much. Uh, okay. Okay. Satellite debris right behind us. Favorite part there of the week. Okay. So uh, Jason Paul is a, is a free runner or you know parkour expert from Germany. Mm-hmm. Uh, he has uh, a lot of videos on the internet, and I thought I'd show you this one. I'm not a fan of heights, so this creeps me out just looking at it. But watch this. This is in Tel Aviv. <laughs> Yeah, see, I have an issue with this. Whoa. I know. Wow. But wait for this part. Here we go. He's got a little GoPro with him. Just wait here for a second. Don't move. No, I, what do you mean don't move? <laughs> I don't want to be here. You tell what it means. <laughs> there he goes. Apparently walking on the edge of a tall building is not enough adrenaline rush for him. He has to do the handstand. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. Wow. Uh, that's like... That's nuts. I mean, impressive, but nuts. Crazy, mm. and All right. let's keep going. Yeah, let's keep going to somewhere where we're more on the ground. So at the British <laughs> Open, Hideo Tanahara looks like he's out of the bunker, and then it's like this sand trap is some sort of black hole, and his ball reaches the event horizon, and then it comes back. Hey. 
once, yeah, twice. That's what happens at the British Open. Finally, he gets out. But it took a while. See, sometimes it's not the deepness of the bunkers, it's what's around it, too. And that seems, try again. To, seems to only happen at the British Open. You showed Lionel Richie in some man's fridge. Yes. Is it true? Well, it is true. Watch. He hangs out in people's fridges now and gives them beer. But, well, t- times are tough, but who wouldn't want a Lionel Richie in, uh, in their fridge with that kind of service? Right? Cold in there for Lionel. <laughs> um, okay, here's a commercial. Uh, this is an oldie but a goodie from uh, Chevy. Here we go. Blindfold mom, really? Is this necessary? Happy graduation, sweetie! Ah! Ah! <laughs> I can't believe you got me this car! <laughs> Amazing! Status update. Best day of my life! <laughs> I'm calling Grandma. Grandma. Should we tell him that? No, no, let him tire off first. Jogger! Check out my sweet ride! How can you jog when you can drive? <laughs> Not yet, he's losing steam. <laughs> Just let him ride its course. Hey, Steve. Best gift ever! Love the car. Best gift ever! Woo! Best gift ever! Yes! Best gift ever! Love you guys so much! Hey! Mr. Johnson just stole my car! <laughs> Fantastic. Thank you very much for that, Squire. No problem. That was brilliant. Love it. There you it. go. All right, Chris and Sophie will be back on Monday. Thank you very much.